This is Sean Six from the Liquid Conversations, and I am here with multi-talented clothing designer, artist, and punk rock extraordinaire frontman, Todd Junker. How are you doing, sir? I'm great. How are you? <laughs> Very well. Uh, you do a lot of stuff. You're not exactly what someone would consider a lazy gentleman. You are constantly hustling, and if people don't know who you are based off the name, uh, you own, uh, started, and currently master a clothing design company called Junker Designs, correct? Yes, this is true. And if people don't understand what Junker Designs is, you take something which I think is absolutely amazing. You take what most people would consider trash, uh, junk, uh, clothing that they should throw in the dumpster instead of just giving it away to charity, and you make high-end fashion out of it. Yeah, I try. Like when when Junker started, I had no uh, money. I just had, you know, ideas. And and at that time, I just moved to LA. So it was kind of big bar steal and or find right you know whatever I could and try to make it into to something you know something for yourself let alone something that you could potentially earn an income off of too yeah because at the time I was you know singing in a band and and I just like was like I can't find like the vest or the pants that I really want and and luckily I happened to run into uh, a lady who's like a kind of like a famous fashion designer okay and she was just like you know I'll help you I'll help you out I'll show you like kind of how you do these patterns and how you can you you know, make this stuff that you want to that you want to make, and so kind of you know the thing that I grew up on was uh, a pretty heavy dose of uh, you know M- Mad Max and Kiss and Star Wars. Plus, in Texas, I grew up by a, a creek, so we spent like all the time in the creek, like you know, digging out old bikes or shopping carts or rusted bits of whatever. So we're always kind of uh, grew up as little you know scavengers that just wore shorts, you know, and just spent a lot of time in the creek. That's probably like you know six seven, eight years old, like right around that time. You know, it's interesting because if you were the lay person just rolling out of your, you know, suburban lifestyle, getting out of your $70,000 SUV and going back to your four uh, bedroom house with your dog and your white picket fence, some of this stuff that you're finding and some of the stuff that you're making art, making uh, fashion out of would be slightly disconcerting to them. They, they might find that a little distasteful, but you found the beauty and found the appealing nature to something that a lot of people would throw away. Right. I think, you, you know, obviously, you know, when people see used, like a lot of people just can't deal. They can't even move past, you know, something being used before they had it to, to even take the first jump. But, uh, you know, dirty and reconstructed is like another couple leaps. But, you know, for me, like no matter how I tried to like age stuff and sand it and bleach it and do whatever I was doing, like nothing compares to finding, you know, gross treasures, you know, that have, they already have like this crazy story, you know, and you can kind of, you know, make it up as you go, go along, you know, as you paste like all these kind of pieces together. So, I mean, in that way, I always thought it was, I was kind of like doing like a recycled kind of a, more like a collage, kind of a quilt kind of thing when I first started out, right. you know, it's like a recycled quilt, if you picture that, because everything was so patchy because I was finding small bits of stuff, you know. I would- to art school, I have a bachelor's fine arts degree in metal sculpture, and one of the things that I used as material, one, because metal is expensive, one of the things that I ended up using was a lot of stuff that was 
found, found objects, assemblage of types of materials. So taking metal that most people would never build anything out of because it was completely rusted or dented or had holes blown through it or was, you know, something that was left over from somebody cutting something off with a torch so it had slaggy edges and it wasn't pretty by any means whatsoever. But one of the things that I always felt like when I was using these materials, and I can see it in what you're describing, is that the material itself already had a story. You were just giving it an option for it to tell that story when you placed it all together with those other objects that had a story. And you're talking about making that quilt. That's what that, you know, that's what a quilt is. You know, if you have a a grandma that makes a quilt and it has, you know, a a t-shirt chunk from when you were a kid in it, or it had a a doily that sat on the back of her couch kind of, you know, attached to a piece of fabric. Every little bit and piece of that had some sort of story that went along with it. And your clothing, even though some people say, well, it's, it looks dirty, it looks worn out. It probably has more of a story, more of a connection to the person that's wearing it than it would be if it was just that sterile blank piece of fabric from, you know, the many numerous box retailers. Yeah, for sure. It's, um, it's super weird. I just don't, I don't like, I don't like new stuff. (laughs) I mean, it's, uh, I guess, you know, we could say that it's sterile, you know? Right. And it's probably sterile because it's devoid of story. Like there's nothing, there's nothing there. You know, it's just uh, boring. I guess on a few different levels. And like from your, co- you know, college days, and, and when you're, you know, repurposing and and doing your own kind of brand of recycling, it's so weird that now, you know, it's high fashion and and also, uh, you know, it. Uh, at least in uh, in Texas and some of the places I go in LA, I mean that's an, an architectural norm now is to have repurposing and rusted exposed metal and stuff Correct. like that. Where you know didn't didn't seem very common, you know maybe. 10 years ago, eight years ago. Right. It's like that becomes now the new wave of cutting edge. And and when everybody wanted something that was more polished and more pristine, now they're looking at something that has a little bit of a history to it. And that ends up being those secondhand, thirdhand, fourthhand discarded pieces of whatever it is, whether it be fabric for you making a vest or a pair of pants or to someone, you know, taking a piece of, you know, metal that they found uh, laying in a field somewhere and making a coffee table out of it. and selling it for you know big money, uh, it's it seems like the the discarded things of life have now become desirable. Yeah, for sure. I think you know people can just uh, you know if they can't imagine a story, I mean you can just see. You know, it's already right. it's already been something. It's just the real thing is always gonna I think you know strike people as real, and then you know a new thing made to look old is, I think will always strike people as that as well. I think people right. are really really smart. Um, maybe. Not really consciously, but I think the it kind of works that same way in film. Like uh, humans automatically know when they see a fake human on screen, like correct? A CGI character as as the same way that they would recognize something that's been made to look repurposed, as opposed to something that is really you know has like a, a history or whatever. Yeah. Our eyes are like really good at that. Now you talk about being in bands and being involved with music. If you had to describe yourself, do you think that you're more of an artist, or if you want to say a clothing designer? or doing uh, art in general? Or would you consider yourself more of a, a musician, more of a, an artist that way? Uh, man, you know, I don't know. I would say if, if I had to absolutely choose, and someone just asked me this question the other day as well, I, would, I, would, I, would, I told them I wouldn't choose. But I think, you know, in our discussion, I would say I would have to say an artist because I'm so, I guess, obsessed with things, how they present themselves uh, visually. Right. And how, like, I can manipulate that or, you know. So, like, for instance, you know, I think about the songs that we're writing. At the same time, I also think about, like, well, what, you know, like, what, when can we get 
bigger amps and you know when can we make a bigger backdrop when can we get a bigger drum set when can we get you know more lights and right. stuff like that i always feel like it's uh probably you know the overexposure to kiss like when i was young you know you just like that is uh rock and roll to me and it's still right. it's still very punk rock to me as well because i don't really see like a, a clear cut you know i don't see how where you can actually cut those things apart from each other you know it's something that's very synonymous when you think of rock music or you think of music that has an edge to it in general whether it be punk rock whether it be metal whether it be traditional hard rock they always have an image that goes along with it and i can see how potentially the clothing design would have been a spin-off of that or that interest in general because you wanted to represent a look uh something uh, something tangible they could put your hands on it so from when you were a kid grabbing stuff out of that creek and putting it together and making something from nothing or found object you doing that with clothing with something you're going to put on your body really was just a natural from one thing to the other it kind of made sense you know that natural path of making that type of visual representation of what was going on in your head do you ever find yourself kind of battling sometimes when you're making music being on a stage do you you hear the music itself and in your head visually think about what the music looks like if it was say clothing or art hmm. i don't think i ever thought about that like the the exact or more of a reputation of it of what the music could be as art i, man, I really don't know i think that you know for that you just only thing i could think of is you would want to have a video of it and then that right. would be the art i guess of the of of the rock show i mean as far as like how I could see it interpreted into like painting and other stuff like that. I mean, that that sounds really difficult. <laughs> it, it might be it might be something that is going to happen eventually. Maybe it just hasn't gotten there yet. You know, you've had some big clients for the clothing stuff that has really helped push your public persona, your career, uh, your success. Why don't you kind of give me a rundown of some of those notable people that have taken an interest in what you design? I think probably say if someone doesn't know anything about Junker at all, the, probably the, the most obvious stuff to let people know about is, so you know, the Motley Crue and Steven Tyler stuff I worked on. Right. So Motley Crue, I worked with them for probably about seven years, eight years, up until they retired. So I did almost everything that Vince Neil wore during that entire time. And then I did uh, Nikki Six uh, off and on maybe two or three times. And I think I did Mick Mars maybe once. Okay. And it seems like Vince Neil is definitely like really uh, kind of just locked into something. And so I was lucky there where he just, I think we just felt comfortable working together. We didn't have to talk a whole lot. And I just made some drawings and that would be that. And then Stephen Tyler, same thing. I worked for him for a number of years. I worked for, uh, right when I started, strangely enough, I worked for uh, Pink, Christina Aguilera, um, Britney Spears, and, and uh, Shakira, like in the first like year and a half. Right. They were all going through like that dirty, dirty phase. So okay. Christina Aguilera actually had a song called Dirty, so it's like right around that time period they were all kind of wearing like beat-up jeans and, and nasty-looking stuff. And, and so I did get to work for all those girls. And then I think those are the most popular music people. And then I got to work on some cool movies and stuff as well, you know, that uh, Alita is like a really big film that's coming out that, you, you know, it, I think it's going to be another kind of a crazy blockbuster science fiction type of a thing. And that goes back to your upbringing being kind of interested in that Mad Max kind of futuristic, yeah, apocalyptic kind of really thing. really in the Star Wars as well, man. Like Star Wars really 
like melted my brain. I was like at that perfect age, you know, to be completely and utterly involved in Star Wars, you know, for the rest of my life. You know what? You can see that in some of your work too, because when you think of some of those planets that they went to and everything had that kind of dirty, kind of rusty kind of look to it and things were, you know, assemblage of something else that they picked up from here or there or the it, it always yeah. kind of reminded me of the space version of a Western. Yeah, for sure. And, and the other interesting thing that happened to me when I was a kid, I don't know if you went through this phase, but um, kind of while the whole creek phase was going on and collecting all this weird gross stuff out of the creek, I was really, really into these uh, um, model tanks and, and stuff. At least when I grew up, they would come with kind of like the, the how to build a diorama and how to paint your tank to make it look old kind of pamphlets and the Tamiya kits had that a lot and so I and that's why I started like probably messing with my clothes and everything I could that that wasn't tied down, I would try to paint it, you know, make it look oily and stuff. Now, if you had to think back, would you still be pursuing this as a personal interest, making the clothes and and making designs like that, if it hadn't turned out to where you've used it as a career, used it as a, you know, a pathway? Like, you had people that took an interest that were notable, and they wanted to have you design stuff for them, whether it be for regular streetwear, or if it was, you know, something that was a little more specific to a video or to a stage wear or what have you. Do you think that you'd be pushing it now at this point in your life as hard to make in your own clothing uh, as a personal interest if you hadn't had that happen? Man, I don't It's just impossible to imagine. <laughs> um, but there is this Getty Lee quote that actually I think about quite quite often because uh, they were talking to Rush about, you know, Rush will, you know, had the kimonos during 2112 and right. some other like questionable fashion choices that that band made. <laughs> and uh, something he said was, uh, he's like, look, you know, at a certain age, like fashion is no, no longer applicable to you, which is what I took it as, you know, uh, and this is something I'm always like aware of, like, because I do think about what I wear and everything is at a certain age um, or, or uh, well, it works two ways. At a certain age, you don't want to look like a 50 year old dressing like a 30 year old. It's Correct. It's embarrassing Correct. for everybody, you know. Right. Very few people can pull that off for, you know, whatever reason. And the other thing that I've always been really conscious of as far as like uh, rock stars and, and uh, image and other things is you don't also want to be caught being a, like a parody or, a, um, uh, you know, a caricature of yourself either. That works for a lot of stuff. That, that works for music and that works for everything else. Because if you just go to your go-to every time, then, I mean, what are you doing? You're just like, you know. Uh, I think that's a, there's an Alan Moore quote. Uh, Alan Moore, is, um, he wrote Watchmen and a Correct. bunch of other stuff. And he has some really crazy videos you can watch because yep. he's like a wizard and some other stuff. <laughs> <laughs> but he's just like, look, <clears throat> if you're doing something you've already done before, you know, like pretty much what I said, wh- what's the point? And I'm paraphrasing. He's like, you have absolutely nothing to gain artistically from um, repeating something that you've already done. It's only when you push yourself into a place where you're absolutely sweaty and terrified that you're actually going to do some cool stuff. That is very, very much true. And, and speaking from a from a visual artist perspective myself, doing shows and stuff in the past, and I say past, this was, uh, you know, very, this is multiple decades ago. And, you know, doing stuff like that, it was always the first piece that you created and the last piece that were the hardest ones. The ones in the middle just kind of flowed along, but to get the ball rolling and then knowing where to stop it was always the yeah. hardest part. So yeah, I can completely understand that where if you just keep doing the same all every day, you kind of drift into a point of complacency and 
and that complacency is not really doing yourself any favors one way or the other. Right. And I think that people pick up on that, whether it's music fans or, you know, fashion or whatever. And I kind of notoriously design really slowly. And it kind of, it's a double-edged sword for, I think, what I do, because I'm really fortunate that people will still um, ask to buy jackets that I designed, you know, 10, 12 years ago. Right. That people still have an interest in that. But at the same time, it's like, you know, I can't get very comfortable with that and trying to move away slowly. You know, it's a, you know, it's always a challenge. You know, you don't, you don't want to see people, you know, kind of like yawning and staring (laughs) right your website you know right you don't want them going by go oh there's that junker designs guy oh he's still making that stuff uh you know it's like yeah Yeah. you still want to be and fashion and music do have a tendency to move really quickly just when you think you got it figured out it's changed or it's about to change it's like yeah it's like you always think um right now i've heard this from a couple different people around that you know they think you know, rock's going to make a some kind of a comeback. I mean, it almost has to. There's like a right. weird void. I mean, because you look at the, I mean, just my personal opinion, The you know, people are still like, man, Guns N' Roses. I'm like, well, yeah, but uh, they're old. You know, that's real. That's really quite some time ago. They're you know, classic the only rock band, band I can think of that's badass, and I think I just listened to one of your podcasts, is uh, Volbeat. Yes. As far as new rock. So I think, like you say, yeah, it, it ebbs and flows. So I think right now we're kind of in, in a, and I can't speak to fashion because I don't consider myself a fashion designer. I mean, I make clothes, and, it, and it's mostly influenced by film and, um, and music. But yeah, rock and roll seems weird right now. Like, uh, you, I mean, you almost need another Guns N' Roses-ish kind of something maybe to happen well and it's interesting because you being a music guy as well being in other bands and now being in a a band called die fast you can look at it from both ways uh you can look at it from how do we as a band and uh, as artists try to make something that's something that's us because we're reflecting on influences that we've had our entire lives. Everybody in the band has an influence, uh, whether they want to admit it or not. Uh, it's there. Uh, it's a fact. It's part of who and what they are as a person. But also you want to make something that's original, something that's new enough to get people's attention, but to seem familiar enough to make sure that they're not completely freaked out by it. And Right, right. How difficult is that are you using what you've learned in making clothing and being involved in that world and making your music and doing new music and and going forward with die fast um that's a that's a good question i think the the things that i can take from fashion and try to apply to music would have you know would have to be like kind of the things that i saw kind of on the periphery of just dealing with other bands okay so you know i know how the 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 fashion biz will never work really for me because there's just there's just another thing that's like fashion you know i'm not really fashion i'm I'm kind of like this uh i don't know there's there's more of us now than there was but we know we're like weird hybrid mutant like you know clothing designers that are not really considered high fashion and we're not going to ever get with those people because it just doesn't you know happen it's not who you are no you're not versace but then again you're still saying well, I am still making some stuff, so you got to give me some respect for that. But I'm never going to be that guy, nor do I want to be that guy. Yeah, and I think the only thing I could think of maybe as a kind of a way to kind of put that in a musical context is, you know, classical versus everything else, you know. <laughs> like it just kind of sits in on its, uh, its own thing and i believe it has its own destiny and it doesn't seem like you know very inclusive of anything else i mean i I don't really know 
But I think the thing that I learned is uh, from watching these guys and uh, is just to be more uh, not rude, but per- more persistent. That's an interesting thing because I live in Boston and people elsewhere, including ourselves, uh, refer to people from Massachusetts as being mass holes. And uh-huh. <laughs> uh, some, some people find that insulting. Mm-hmm. I think it's a term of endearment. It is basically uh, that mentality that you just described. Uh, yeah, you know what? Some people might refer to us as being rude, but we just know what we want and we're going to go after it. Uh, we're going to be persistent. Um, we're going to be in your face sometimes and we might not even be pissed off about anything. We're just passionate, I guess would be a good way to put it. And, you know, would you outright describe Die Fast's music as being a punk band? I hate to put um, labels on stuff. I mean, but... I think it's one title you could definitely give the band as a punk band. I think it's m- more than that. I, um, I mean, because when I was, uh, I play, when I started playing in bands, like in, you know, 80, Four eighty six around there. Okay, I was still like coming strong off like DRI and Kiss and a bunch of other rock stuff. So for me at the time when people would say punk, punk rock, I'd be like, yeah, but you know most of those guys can't play their instruments with <laughs> crap. <laughs> you know, and there was there were some you know other examples that I would consider way more rock, I guess, than punk. Like if you think about the New York Dolls or the right. Dead Boys or bands like that, these are yeah. really, in the case of the Dead Boys, uh, yeah. aggressively um, rock bands. Yeah, they were. Gla- I mean, New York Dolls obviously like referenced as being a glam band. You know, uh, right? They wore makeup and had girl clothes on and stuff like that. I mean, not that that's much different from the hair bands from the 80s and the, you know, the beginning of the 90s. But yeah, I, I can understand that. And the reason why I asked that thing is because what you're doing with other parts of your life and going into the music aspect of it, even though you've always been involved in music and you've played in other bands before, uh, so that's not anything new for you. But to be in a band that is more punk-inspired or more punk-like, the idea behind punk was always very anti-establishment. You had a voice. You didn't care how dirty or how aggressive it was as long as you got what you were feeling out there. And if people were open and liked it, great. If they didn't, you didn't really give a damn about it. You're like, well, we're doing it then for our own enjoyment, not for yours at that point. You were in your face. You were persistent. Uh, Tell us we can't do it and we're going to prove you wrong. Right, right. I think, um, yeah, I mean, I say rock, rock punk probably when people talk about that band. Someone actually gave gave the band a really big compliment the other day and and they were like well you know you guys could play with punk bands or you could probably play with rock bands or you could probably play with some metal bands if you wanted to and i was like yes exactly (laughs) i mean not that that's our you know our plan but i I don't really want to be pigeonholed you know i feel like uh well there's something always to think about and uh not to bag on either either of the bands i'm going to mention but you know I always use a helmet and ACDC as examples. I'm okay. like, great uh, albums, totally memorable. But for me, it kills me because there's not like really these tempo changes at all. You know, ACDC and, is uh, the same song over and over again. Right. It's four to the floor. I mean, yeah. they've made a gazillion more dollars than I'll probably ever make making music. But for me, it's not actually, you know, if there's more than one ACDC song in a row on the radio, I'm, I change the station. <laughs> <laughs> the rocks and the and the punks and uh you know not to go back to kiss again but kiss and then some stuff about i've read about van halen is you know david lee roth you know this is a bad paraphrase i'm sure but he's like you know when you buy a ticket from me you know this is like an agreement that we have you know it's a binding agreement that you will get a rock show that you've paid for 
right. you know, that I'm not going to slack, I'm not going to cut corners, et cetera, et cetera. And, and believe me, man, trying to get people in your band that are willing to go the extra 10, 15 yards to get stuff done is really, really difficult. That's a really good point. And I think a lot of bands now, if you look at music in general, regardless of whether or not you're playing in a punk band, rock band, metal band, even if you're playing in a pop band that actually doesn't use, you know, computer tracks and they actually play an instrument here and there, to get anybody that actually puts the effort in to not think that they should just deserve it, that they should just deserve the accolades, they should just deserve people showing up to buy a ticket, buy merch, buy their record, their downloads or whatever, however they're getting their music out there, is a big deal because a lot of people don't understand what I refer to as a work ethic. And you got to slave it away. And I have much more respect for a band that will play, you know, a a thousand gritty little crappy clubs in Texas and not sell a million albums than I would uh, for a band that was, you know, the making of the band. And they do, you know, like one, one festival summer tour. And then the next year they're super famous and they're signed to the biggest labels and they're riding around in a Prevost and they fly everywhere and stuff like that. I don't have any respect for that. They didn't earn it. There's no, there's no story. And there, you know, there's our kickback to the the fashion and finding the stuff in the creek. And uh, you know how Todd has thought about stuff over the years is there's no story, there's no history, there's no struggle, there's no pain that goes along with it. For you to do that, yeah, yeah, man, I can see that that would be extremely difficult to find band members to have the same mentality about that, especially nowadays. Yeah, it's uh, you know, I've been really fortunate. But, you know, there's still, you know, the struggle of just doing, you know, just doing it. Like you said, like you, you don't get, you don't get thousand show good by playing not a thousand shows. Right, right. Exactly. Exactly. But uh, I think that the place where we're kind of at right now, like uh, as far as Die Fast is going, is trying to uh, concentrate on writing some new material and trying to be smart about the shows that we're playing. You know, I tried this experiment. I was like, okay, we're going to play a show once a month for these next three months. We're going to learn new songs every time and just get it out into the world. And uh, that part of it worked. The part about people showing up didn't work. And, uh, (laughs) you know, it's, uh, you know, a band is also a business, which is... uh, unfortunate you know it takes uh you know everyone's got to get some gas money and all that other stuff gotta gotta spend money to make money so they say yeah yeah and so like i actually live like two and a half hours away from everyone else in the band oh. so usually on the weekends i drive down there for practice and um you're fully so it's kind invested. of weird to say you know because there's that expression you know you like you know you're not working hard you're working smart but you know it's like you know i want to work hard and smart at the same time so, you know, it's weird still trying to figure stuff out, especially now that, you know, now it's the Internet age, you know, and, and uh, it's a whole different ball game. And I don't really necessarily want to spend, uh, you know, three or four hours a day on the computer trying to get stuff into the world. But uh, I, I t- completely get it. Uh, there's days where I'm just like, I don't even want to go on to check my Facebook, but sometimes I know I have to. Yeah. You know, have to promote. You have to promote your brand. But then again, you don't want to be so consumed with promoting your brand that you lose sight of actually creating something that is what the brand is representing. Right. And see, that's it's a really big thing, uh, a really easy thing to get off track. 
um, for me personally, especially with uh, uh, Junker, like I was kind of describing earlier, you yeah. know, like people will still love to order these really old jackets and stuff that I made, old old right. styles. And it's really uh, easy to get caught up in just making what people want. Right. And undoubtedly, you feel like the cover band of fashion, I guess. You know? <laughs> That's a really good statement. So, uh, you know, it's really, it's a, it's a time, it's a time problem. Right. You know, it, these things take a lot of time to make. And then if they want a lot of these old jackets, I spend a lot of time making old jackets and not as much time being able to, you know, create new, new material, I guess, as it is. We'll uh, talk about what the band's doing right now. You guys released an album, Welcome to Hollywood, on January 14th, my birthday uh, of this nice. year. Uh, this year, and you guys have new stuff in the works for fall, uh, roughly, of 2019? Yes. Yeah, uh, that's the the big thing, is to get people interested in, in the new stuff coming out. The stuff that came out on January 14th is a, it's an album called uh, Welcome to Hollywood, and that is something that I recorded with uh, some guys when I was still living in Los Angeles, and we did it on some kind of hard drive-ish kind of, I don't know what it was. Basically, we recorded it ourselves. Okay. And um, so then what had happened is that we started, uh, the bass player had this friend named a- Andrew who started showing up at our shows. And it turned out it was this guy named Andrew Murdoch who's from over where you are. Yep. And he's a, you know, he's produced Alice Cooper and Godsmack. And I think he did the first three events, Sevenfold Records and all this stuff. And uh, he was like, I, I want to, like, I want to help, and, you know. And so we let him hear the record and he was just like, oh, okay, you know, I can fix this. So I think, you know, the really cool thing about the Hollywood record is basically he and 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 I think you know coming from like the art side of sound design like right. this is a pretty interesting layered story much like you know sculpting or making weird clothes is he ran all the tracks through a speaker and then re-recorded everything so he basically created like uh you know one generation of mess right so for instance he would get a speaker and put it above a snare drum and he would run all the snare parts through the speaker onto the snare drum while recording that snare drum and the sounds of the snare drum coming out of the speaker like it just like kind of made like a dirty grungy kind of wash on top of everything and uh that i think that's a genius of andrew murdoch so he he did uh that whole thing that whole treatment on that Hollywood record from the kind of the, you know, humble beginnings of, right. of our kind of experiment, which was recording our own record in like a, in a jam space or whatever. And it actually, I think it sounds really good. I just listened to it the other day again, because it's been sitting waiting to be released right. you know, a few years. That gives you an opportunity to work with him again for this upcoming full length release. Yeah, the full length is is pretty much done. And it's it's been done maybe for at least a few months. Um, almost at, immediately after we did uh, Welcome to Hollywood, um, somehow he showed an interest to continue working with us. And and you know he I'd call him a friend now. I mean it's been years that we've been working together on this, these things. Right. And we did uh, you know some pretty good rockers. One of them we, it, off the album was already released. It's a song called Handsome. It's uh, it's out now already. It's that there's a video on our YouTube yep. and and, uh, and other stuff. But we decided to do this other record together. And um, that record is mostly done. It had like you know three different drummers, you know three bass players. You know God only knows how many different guitar players kind right. of come in and out because the band 
in LA was kind of dissolving. And at the same time, I was moving back to Texas. And then we had a Texas version of the band that was forming. And so there's a couple of songs on the record that are from the Texas version of the band. And the thing that happened there, I mean, it's kind of it's a sad story about this guy, Chris. Um, he used to play in a bunch of punk bands when we were growing up uh, in Houston together, and he was the guitar player. And uh, un- unfortunately, he he uh, he passed away. But um, you know, lucky for everyone else involved, he was kind of like a computer guy. So his his roughs for the songs that we were working on were already to a click, and they were already on a computer. So luckily, like you know, with the help of his family and and uh, his friends, we were able to get the computer and take the tracks. Uh, the guitar tracks off and then put them on the record. Right. And then we just ended up playing o- over the top of his tracks that he had. You know, I wouldn't be speaking to you fairly if I didn't say the story that you're telling me about this man and how you have created with Welcome to Hollywood album and then going into this new full length really sounds so much like what you've described to me as you as a person coming from Texas, coming from that creek, making the clothing, um, getting involved with the art aspect of it, not being sucked into the machine or the, you know, the high fashion side of it and trying to enforce that that originality that you stays there regardless of that push from the outside world and then blend in that punk mentality that goes along with it. It makes perfect sense. It makes perfect sense that you, what music you're making now and the process that you're making it, going through that pain, that struggle, uh, the culmination of a lot of parts being all put together and then finding a masterful genius with Murdoch to kind of orchestrate it and, you know, make all the parts fit together and have this wonderful thing come out of it. Uh, it, wow. it sounds, it, I mean, you know that the whole thing together just sounds like another extension of Todd. Uh, it's like it's another hand on your body or something. Like the band itself is just becoming uh, so much of an extension of you with what you've described. It's amazing. And, and I applaud you for doing that. And I hope it you know works out as well as it has in other aspects of your life because it seems like you've yeah, got a great too. opportunity. Like that's so weird that you, uh, yeah, I never thought of it. But yeah, if you look at this band Die Fast in particular, it is pretty much a Frankenstein. I refer to it as a band of the hand, okay? So every finger on your hand has a purpose. Yeah. Uh, no matter how twisted, how broke, how scarred, how manipulated that finger has been over time, it all has a purpose for the use of that hand. If you get rid of one of those fingers, your hand doesn't work right anymore. You have to right. you have to change. So everything is important regardless of how messed up it is or how much it's went through in its life. So yeah, I mean, it, the, the band is completely a Frankenstein, but then again, I think that works for you, man. Yeah, I hope so. We're like we're in the middle of more, more changes again. <laughs> But, uh, you know, like, just to talk about Chris for one more, you know, it, it was really hard, but, I, you know, I, and, I, and I, you know, I do these interviews and the other guys are out playing shows and their other bands and stuff, so they don't have the benefit of, you know, talking about Chris, but right. um, those guys are really, really close with Chris. So, you know, I can't imagine, like, you know, the transition that they've kind of had to go through. Um, you know, all my friends that, that died were pretty much all the dudes I knew from high school because everyone just got so messed up and crazy, but I haven't had a 
you know, re- really close friend, you know, die around me, you know, not in t- 20 years. Really. Right. So, um, yeah, Impactful. I was really stoked that he could be on the record. It really stoked. It's it's good because not only does it pay honor to to him, but it also lets you guys have a motivating factor, too, on to continue on to make music, to give it your all, to not give up, not fall into the cogs of the machine and, and do everything that yeah. you would assume that that person would want also. Yeah, he wouldn't tolerate no BS. <laughs> that's, that's for sure. Awesome. I, I wish that. I wish sometimes he was around just to like kick everyone straight in the butt. Because <laughs> you know what, I could I have I have people that are in my life that are like that too. They're not going to give you an inch when you start acting a fool. They'll they'll let you know real quick. They'll check you real fast. Yeah, yeah. Mm. So Chris, yeah, Chris was lovable, but you know, not easy to get along with sometimes because he would not tolerate fucking you know anything bullshit. Pardon my French. Todd, what can people expect from you next you have the album that's going to be the full length that's going to be coming out sometime here mid to to later 2019 uh it's done but you're waiting to finish up some more stuff uh where and when can people see you play are you just playing locally in texas or do you have plans to go out and play a little bit well we'd like to go out the small plan that we have right now is with a band called bullets and octane that um i mean we've been talking back and forth about doing some more stuff we play with them in L.A. Uh, at the Viper Room sometimes. Um, on a shorter term, uh, this Sunday we're recording uh, two new songs. Awesome. Um, and I'm going to try to get those out as fast as I can. I'm not I'm not sure how I'm going to do it. Um, I really want to put it on a... I really want to put it on a seven inch. Oh, that'd be find awesome. Another band to do a split with. That'd be cool. Yeah. Well, I mean, because we have two songs, and the total time of the two songs is under four minutes. Yeah. So, I mean, I think it's two songs could, those two songs could, you know, be on one side of a seven inch, I believe. That's going on. Um, you can, (laughs) you can see, uh, Junker Jacket on the star of the new uh, Alita film that's coming out. That's uh, directed by Robert Rodriguez. It's produced by James Cameron. Nice. The uh, male lead is a guy named Hugo. He's wearing uh, Junker stuff. And also you'll be able to see me in the movie as a robot uh, named Exploder. Like <laughs> not a very nice person. Very cool. Yeah. So some really cool stuff is happening in the next like couple weeks. Awesome, Todd. You know what? I appreciate taking the time to chat with us and to talk about not just music and clothing but life in general very much appreciated no thank you so much this is a great conversation i appreciate it all right thanks and we'll talk again soon all right take it easy the liquid conversations podcast is brought to you by dirtbag clothing wear it till it stinks